So it's wonderful to be together, and we are just so excited for an opportunity to worship, even though socially distanced, we are spiritually connected, we are just continuing to walk humbly together. But I know that during this time, a lot of us have had a little more Netflix consumption than we may have had in the past. That's okay. No judgment, no shame. We have a little fun honesty time. So here is trivia time. The exciting thing about, so I did this in Lawn Chair Church. The exciting thing about the fact that we are all not together is that you can raise your hand and only you will know. So how exciting. So I'm going to ask you a question. My friends, do we got any Tiger King fans during the shutdown. Any any Tiger King fans? It's okay. No one can see you, so raise that hand nice and high. That's okay. Now, I never got into Tiger King. I really didn't. But you know what I did get into? So much better than the Tiger King. I, I don't get it. But what I do get? The Last Dance. Did anybody watch The Last Dance on Netflix? Okay, it could have been a four-part series. It was like ten. But I don't mind, because you know what? The epic music, the epic tongue-sticking-out dunks of Michael Jordan, like, I need more of that in my life. Like, there's a lot of things I need less of. I need more Michael Jordan dunking the basketball over the Detroit Pistons in my life. I just do. I, I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. It's because Michael Jordan is was an amazing ambassador, a global ambassador, a brand ambassador of basketball. He literally went to a Chicago Bulls team in the 80s, that was less popular, less attended, and less watched than an indoor soccer team. Legitimately. In the 80s, when people didn't know what soccer was. Like, actually. That's how not well-known the Chicago Bulls were. But for the next couple years, into the 80s and 90s, he literally takes basketball. He starts by getting his team excited. He starts right there. Then he goes out, he starts getting the community really excited. By the end of the first season, he's been such a great ambassador with basketball that everybody's pouring into the stadium. It's, it's Jordan pandemonium. It's awesome. It's wild. Then, as the years progress, as his love for the game, his intensity, and Air Jordan shoes and all those things, and he becomes a global brand, and it's not just that he sells a lot of stuff. Yeah, he does. But what's more impressive than that, because whatever, What's more impressive, viva la Bulls, viva la Jordan. There's this whole movement in the world where people now just love the game of basketball in South America, in Africa, in all different parts of our world. It becomes this amazing thing because Michael Jordan was an amazing ambassador. We think of the word ambassador. It even sounds just like a cool word. Like imagine if, if you had a new job tomorrow and you weren't uh, like, I'm a school teacher. Cool. I'm a pastor. Cool. Uh, maybe you're business owner, maybe you're a concierge, who knows what you are. But imagine if you were like, hey, I'm an ambassador. Sounds cool and important. Well, Christ calls us to be ambassadors. And that's if you get one thing from today's message. Each of us is called to be an ambassador of Jesus. Each of us is called, like, like Michael Jordan started with his team, we start with our families. Michael Jordan then moved on and engaged his community. We engage our community. Then Michael Jordan engaged his region and the nation and eventually the world. And we're called to go inside out and be ambassadors for Christ. So if we get one thing today, we have this amazing, exciting opportunity to be ambassadors of Jesus. You know, there'd be something really cool about being 
picked to be a brand ambassador. Maybe, maybe you're like, well, I can't relate to being Michael Jordan because he's Michael Jordan. Okay, fair. But imagine you were picked to be a brand ambassador for a great product that you really believed in that was really positive, or you were picked to be an ambassador of a sports team, or it doesn't matter what it was. It's this really cool opportunity. Well, you're going to have to really understand that it's about more than you. If you're an ambassador, you're not the deal. You're living a lifestyle where you're showing, wow, this is awesome. So I want you to think for a moment. Imagine you're sitting on your couch during the pandemic, and instead of watching the Tiger King, you dreamt up, oh, I, I've got this amazing idea. Uh, I think back to the Back to the Future, um, Emmett Brown, he, bumps his, he falls off the toilet, bumps his head, and he, now he has the flux capacitor in his mind. And he's like, oh, I got this idea. So imagine you have this amazing idea that happens, okay? So what are you going to do? You've got this amazing idea. You're like, wow, it's going to be just such a positive thing. It's going to change lives. It's going to help people. How do you go about branding it? How do you go about moving forward? Well, you have to create a network, right? You have to prove your concept, but you got to create a group of people into it. you got to say, okay, this is really cool, but don't just ask me. Look at all these people who it's part of what they do. Those are called ambassadors, brand ambassadors. You need to get people who are authentic, passionate. If they just don't care, if they're like, eh, it's whatever. Okay, so they're kind of like a used car salesman. That's not necessarily helpful. You want to get people who are excited and like, wow, this will change your life. This is awesome. You also want people who are versatile. If you go in a new direction with your product, you want them to be able to come with you. They don't want it, you don't want them to be like, well, I was cool with you before, but I, I'm not on board. I, I like the product, but not the idea of it. So you need to get a group of people who are going to be on board. Well, so what's really fascinating is in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at, in a moment, the very beginning of the book of Acts, it's really cool because there's 21st century, century marketing ideas, like these principles that if you were to go to a marketing class, they'd be like, boom, boom, boom. Well, here's the amazing thing. Yes, those exist in the 21st century, but literally, not that Jesus is a product, not that the church is a product, but the ideas around evangelism, around taking the message of Christ and bringing it to the world, they literally are the ideas that have been adopted by marketing because they're effective. Because if you look at the early church, how they start from this group and turn into this global movement, it's amazing. And so we're going to see today a lot of things about that. We're going to see how Jesus picks each of us to be his ambassadors. We look at the book of Acts, and we're going to pray in a moment, but we look at the book of Acts, and people can have all sorts of questions about the book of Acts. They can say, yeah, okay, I don't get it. That's okay. Super honest. Thank you for being honest. Because oftentimes what happens, we kind of don't get things with the Bible and we don't want to single ourselves out so we don't ask the questions. Always wonderful to say I don't get it. Thank you for your honesty. Let's talk about it for a moment. The book of Acts is the story of the early church. Now there's different types of literature in the Bible. There's poetry. There are epistles, which are letters. There are narratives. There are texts that are prescriptive, that tell us what to do, and there are texts that are descriptive, that tell us what was done. And you can ask, okay, is the book of Acts prescriptive or descriptive? And the answer is yes. Some of both. So there are things in the book of Acts that show, as the early church is being set up, how to do it. 
And there are things on there that our church and other churches embrace and where we look at and we say, yep, this is showing us how to set up the church. Then we're also dealing with human people and we're seeing the ups and downs because the Bible story is showing how grace and redemption works through ordinary flawed people. The people in the Bible, other than Jesus, are sinners, they're flawed, they make mistakes. So when the disciples cast dice for the new disciple, even though Jesus is going to later call Paul directly, and the disciples don't wait on that, we don't want to follow that. And so we understand with the book of Acts that it's going to show us some amazing stuff, and it's also going to show us what to do and what not to do. But there's three big things we're going to see. We're going to see that there's power, we're going to see that there's purpose, and we're going to see that there's a plan. So I'd love to read this text real quick. If you have your Bibles, please open it up to Acts chapter 1, verse 6, all the way to 11. And here's what the word says. Therefore, when they, the disciples, soon to be apostles, disciples are learners, apostles are ambassadors. So that's the group we're, we're thinking of. We're thinking of the group of disciples, the group of Jesus followers. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, when they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we, we are so grateful for the fact that your words stay the same in the past, present, the future, that no matter our situations and circumstances, your word remains. Heaven and earth will pass away, as the scripture says, but your word will remain. We're so grateful for this truth in a time where it seems like there's so much that we don't know what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right, but we know that you are constant. You are abiding and you are with us. We're so grateful for the opportunity to freely worship you, and we're so grateful for the opportunity to open up your scriptures, to hear what your word says, and to apply it directly into our lives so that we can today be ambassadors and understand that you have called us with a power, a purpose, and a plan. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, if you were marketing, this is what's so amazing about the book of Acts. If you were marketing a product, remember, go back to your couch, you've got this idea. If you were marketing a product, you'd need a power, a purpose, and a plan. Now you'd say to me, David, I don't need a power, I need a, I need a product. Well, kind of. If you just have a product that's like, psh, whatever, that's not going to, you got to have some sizzle. You got to have some secret sauce. So I want to show you the secret sauce that's shown right here in the scripture that we have. Because this, we're going to focus on verse 8 today. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to see today that verse 8 is the thesis statement, the big idea of the entire book of Acts, and the big idea really of the church and of what we, as the church global, are meant to do. And so we're going to look at it in three parts. We're going to look in part A, part B, part C. Part A is going to show us the power Part B is going to show us the purpose, and then part C is going to show us the plan. So here's the first part of this thesis of our text. 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, the New Testament was not written in English at first because English wasn't a thing until much, much later. It was written in Greek. The Greek word for power, let's see if we recognize it. Dunamis. What does dunamis sound like in English? Dynamite. So imagine dynamite, this huge power boom. That is what we have. Now we're going to see this dunamis. It's a secret sauce. It's kind of like I love Chick-fil-A. I'm a big fan of Chick-fil-A. Now the first time I went to Chick-fil-A, I was hooked. Super hooked. But here's the thing. I'm going to be I'm going to level with you. We're going to be honest about this for a moment. The the chicken sandwich is kind of above average. It's kind of like a C plus. The nuggets at Chick-fil-A on their own are kind of a B minus. They're a little better than the chicken sandwich, but they're above average. They're fine. It's okay. What's so amazing about Chick-fil-A? The sauce. The secret sauce. That sauce that you dip into, magical. Oh man, it's just, it's so great. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. Like literally, I just have packets of it in my house. And my wife, Laura, is like, we need to throw these out. And I'm like, you're not throwing my Chick-fil-A sauce away, Laura. Now, do I ever use them? I don't know. They kind of sit in my, in my refrigerator. But here's the thing with the Chick-fil-A sauce. If you take a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, you got two of them. You got one with the sauce on and one without. And you look at them side by side, you can't really tell with your eye which one has the sauce and which one doesn't, unless you are like my father and you dump six sauces on your sandwich, at which point it's all sauce. But most people aren't weird like that. So if you've got your two sandwiches, one's got the secret sauce and one doesn't, they both look the same, but when you bite into the one with the secret sauce, you can tell what's different. That's the power. Okay, in the same way as believers, when we embrace the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're embracing the secret sauce. We're putting the Chick-fil-A sauce on our sandwich. Now, to the eye, you can't necessarily tell if someone's embracing the Holy Spirit per se just by, just by their appearance. Maybe you can, but probably not. And so... When I say embrace the power, embrace the Holy Spirit, people are like, that's great. A pastor is telling me to embrace the Holy Spirit. How helpful. Thank you. Okay. Turn off YouTube. Turn off Facebook. Good. Okay. Once again, they didn't make it real for me. Awesome. Thanks. So helpful. Okay, fine. That's a fair critique. So I'm a teacher in addition to being a pastor. And it's interesting because my role as a teacher and my role as a pastor are kind of the same job, except there's a thing called separation church and state. So literally, when I'm a special ed teacher, I cannot specifically say words like, God, Jesus, I'm going to pray with you, or pray directly with families. It'd be awesome if I could, but I can't. When I'm a pastor, I can. But I don't know if we got any teachers watching this. The dreaded parent phone call when you've got that parent who's just been frustrated for weeks on end about something totally unrelated to school, but, oh, we get to call Mr. Cushing and we get to take all our frustration out on that guy because he'll never see it coming. Well, here's the thing. I, I do see it coming. Um, it's all good. I mean, take, take your anger out. It's, it's cool. Um, but here's the thing. Here's what accessing the Holy Spirit looks like in my life. If I know that I have a contentious parent phone call before it happens, privately, again, separation church and state, I'm aware of that, but I will stop. I will pause. I will take a deep breath. Super helpful. Let's do this. Ready? Wow, amazing. It really is. 
And then I will say, you know what, Holy Spirit, um, please just give me wisdom, give me peace. Allow me to take my natural energy of a 10 and come down to a 4 so that I don't just out-talk the parent on the phone. Give me peace, give me the right words, and give me your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. And then it's not magic. It's that secret sauce. It's that power. The Holy Spirit allows us to have the right words. Not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. But by calming down, by slowing down, we use that secret sauce in our life. Maybe it looks like a nudge. Now, we all have those hunches, right? Now, I'm not talking about the hunch of like, ow, can you believe Sally? She's so ridiculous. No, not, not that hunch. The hunch like this. Oh, my... My coworker really seems to be having a hard time. I should just kind of check in by the end today and just say, hey, man, I uh, care about you. Hope you have a great weekend. That kind of positive hunch is the Holy Spirit. We access our secret sauce, the power, that power we have if we are, if we're thinking we're ambassadors. So the power we have is the power from the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing. We are equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit as Christ's ambassadors. Because remember, the Chick-fil-A sandwich without the secret sauce is, yeah, it's fine. A Christian life without relying on the Holy Spirit is, yeah. We have this amazing power. It doesn't mean we're going to become the expert and we're suddenly going to know what everyone is thinking and feeling. That's it's a danger. We have to be careful of that. This doesn't mean we become judgy. It means we use the power of the Holy Spirit to calm ourselves down, not to control people, not to manipulate, but to say, okay, Holy Spirit, give me direction. Holy Spirit, allow me to have the right words to say. Holy Spirit, let me be patient. Let me be calm in a high-pressure situation. So that's our power. Then what's our purpose? So we look at the next part of the text. If we've got a power as the marketing, then it takes us to our purpose. And look at, in our thesis statement, it's amazing. Next part of the text. Verse 8b. And you will be my witnesses. The Greek word here, for witnesses, literally means giving up a little bit of ourself. We become vulnerable. Because we are God's purpose. You and I. The purpose is not some mystical thing that we're never going to be sure, and there's some secret Jesus, and we're searching, and we're searching, and we're searching, and we'll never find it. Maybe someday we will, but probably not. The purpose is you and I. We are called to live lives as encouragers, as bridge builders, walking humbly, working with each other. The purpose is us seeing the kingdom built by loving one another, by loving the Lord our God with all our hearts and loving our neighbors as ourselves. That is the purpose, and being a witness of Christ. And so I love this example. I use this in a slightly different thing with my students, but I like to say that life is kind of like a snow globe. Now you can be like, oh, I was wondering why your wife, that was Laura. She's my wife. She's awesome. Um, and so I was wondering why, you're probably wondering why I had a snow globe on the altar when it's not Christmas. It's not even Christmas in July. It's August, David. You're ridiculous. Okay. I like to think that my life is kind of like a snow globe. I've got all these particles. You know all the particles in a snow globe. I've got them all in my life. Maybe they're fears. Maybe they're anxieties. Maybe they're social awkwardness. Maybe they're all these different things that I just, the, the skeletons in my closet, all the different things that I'm just like, oh, I just got to keep those calm. And we work so, so hard to keep ourselves like the snow globe like this, with no particles in the air. We work so hard. But here's the thing. Christ 
is the one we imitate. And Christ, the snow globe of Christ's life was not like this. He didn't put a hoodie up, walk through the crowds in Capernaum and not talk to anybody. And when someone tried to touch him, freak out, panic, and say, I don't like being touched. Instead, Christ shared his life with his disciples, even with the fickle crowds. And literally, we have to understand that the purpose, if the purpose is you and I, we have to be a little vulnerable. Now, one of the mistakes we make about it being ambassadors is we're like, okay, this is great. I hear you, David. I'm on board. I'm going to sell everything I have. I'm going to go to Africa right now and be a missionary. Okay, not dissing that, but, but let, me, let me temper that for a moment. Here's the thing. Our tendency is we want to just either keep the snow globe totally like this and just be cool, and just, oh, Teflon. Or we say, you know what, let's just shake up the snow globe, let's, let's do that, then when I come back, I can put my snow globe right back on the shelf and keep it nice and calm again. In reality, Christ calls us as witnesses to be a little vulnerable to jiggle our snow globe. We don't need to shake it right away. Let's just jiggle it. Let's be a little uncomfortable. You know, we're going to survive. So what does that look like? Maybe I've got a family member who's really struggling, who's not necessarily a believer, and I just say, hey, can I pray for you? Now, best case scenario, they say, yes, that'd be wonderful. Worst case scenario, they say no and get kind of annoyed. But you know what? We're just jiggling our snow globe. Like, it's all good. We can still get Chick-fil-A afterwards. We're going to survive. Okay. And then maybe we've got a friend or coworker who we know they're really struggling, so we text them a scripture. Again, we're putting ourselves out there a little bit. We're sharing our lives a little bit. We're being a little vulnerable. We're jiggling that snow globe. We're not shaking it upside down. We're not upending our lives. A oh, couple particles, there they are. Maybe we invite a friend to join us for church on our sun porch. I always joke about the sun porch, there's the joke. Uh, maybe we're like, oh, come to my sun porch on Sunday. It's gonna be great. We'll even watch the service asynchronously in the afternoon. Doesn't matter. But let's just come watch it with me. Again, we jiggle the snow globe a little bit. Because the purpose is you and I. The purpose is not some weird agenda. The purpose is to be ambassadors. And so that's why in our church, we've got this idea of three to one, which literally means this. We want to pray for three people. We want to be outwardly focused. We want to see that if the purpose is you and I, if the power is the Holy Spirit, the secret sauce is the Holy Spirit, our purpose is to pray for each other, to love each other. And that can just look like, hey, I've got these people I care about. I'm going to pray for them this week. So I'm going to ask you, this is the ask, first ask. This week, please think of three people in your life that you are willing to pray for once a day or the next week. Write them down, and each day, it doesn't have to be for an hour. It can be for 30 seconds. It can be for 15 seconds. Pray for three people. Then the two is invite two. Now, maybe that's invite two people to watch the live stream with you. Maybe it's invite two to come on a prayer walk with you. It doesn't matter. But when we make ourselves a little vulnerable, we share our lives together like Christ showed us. That's our purpose. Our purpose is you and I, and the one is bring one. Maybe it's bring one to watch the service with you. Maybe it's bring one to a faith group. Maybe it's bring one to the beach and have a holy conversation and just say, hey, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about faith. It can look like different things. But our purpose is each other. It is you and I. And so if we're thinking in that product mindset, in that marketing mindset, okay, so I'm a first century marketer. And again, we see a lot of entrepreneurs be really successful, but a lot not. The, what Jesus provides us in verse 8 of this 
is probably, I would say, the most successful plan strategy ever. I mean, it's literally amazing. You start with a little group of people and you got a worldwide movement because you got a power, you got a purpose, and then here's the plan. The plan goes from the inside out. So let's look in the text. The text says this, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I want you to notice that it starts inside outward. So Jerusalem is where they were at. That's like our city. That's like saying in Plymouth. Judea is like the greater region. Judea is kind of like saying our state of Massachusetts. Samaria, now interesting thing about Samaria. Samaria was the place that no matter what, the Jewish people, they, they had a, a centuries-old grievance with. And there was this issue, kind of a Hatfield-McCoy feud, if you'll have it, uh, a little bit. And so, literally, rather than walking through Samaria, they would walk all the way around Samaria to stay away from Samaria. We have Samarias in our lives. But if you notice, the text doesn't start with Samaria. It doesn't start with the uncomfortable place. It starts with Jerusalem. It starts with our family. It starts with our town. It starts inward and then goes out. And then after that, you've got to the ends of the earth. That is the world. Yes, we have to approach Samaria. So if we think of it like this, if, if we're like, okay, I get it. There's a power, that's the Holy Spirit. Love it. Okay. There's a purpose, it's each other. I totally get that. I get that we have to share our lives together. We got to jiggle that snow globe. We got to be a little vulnerable. I get it. Okay. But I don't want to start with my work, man. I mean, that's Samaria. Okay. It doesn't say start with your work. It says start with Jerusalem. Jerusalem is our family. Maybe we reach out this week, the person we pray for is our family members. Maybe the person we pray for is our neighbors. So many times we want to try to start out there and forget the consistency of here. Because remember our snow globe. If I just take it and shake it once, and I, again, I'm not judging, it's all good. But let's just say I shake it once, I go to Africa for a month, that was an amazing experience. Now I put my snow globe here and I say, oh good, I'm all set for the rest of my life. Just going to keep my head down. Okay, yes, we had that adrenaline high mountaintop experience. But here's the thing, to be a disciple is not to have this one big moment and then to be a disciple is to be consistent. We talk about this over and over. You're probably it's like, yes, you talk about consistency all the time as a church. We do, because Christ doesn't call us to be that person who has the one big gesture and is never there, never shows up other times. Christ calls us to just always show up. You don't need the big gesture. Just be present. Just be available. I think of, I, a few months ago, decided that I wanted to start getting back into shape. I didn't start by running a half marathon. I started by walking for 30 minutes a day. I was a 30-year-old guy, and I felt really bad about the fact that I wasn't in the kind of good shape that I used to be, and literally I was huffing and puffing, walking my 30 minutes a day. It is what it is. The mundane, the ordinary, the consistent is what we are called to do. Then we get moments to, to run half marathons, sure. We get moments to have these great mission trips to Africa, but if we don't have the base of Jerusalem, of our family, of Judea, of our neighborhood, then, then everything else is kind of look like hypocrites. We just, we don't look sincere. We don't look authentic. We got to start with the mundane, with the ordinary, with the boring, with the, uh, yep, I'm going to do it one more time. It's good. I understand it's important. I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to bring my Bible. I'm going to 
yep, I'm going to give, I'm going to give my tithe this week, and I'm just going to understand that even though my life is not some movie, it's not so exciting that Christ, you are guiding me in the mundane, and you are working with me even in that situation, and that is okay. I think of the book, The Simplest Way to Change the World. This is a book I read a few years ago when I lived in an apartment downtown. And where are my grill people at? Anybody got grills? So chances are most of us have our grills in the backyard. It literally just said, hey, you want to change the world? Start from the inside out. Start with hospitality. Start by taking your grill and moving it from your backyard to your front. And then when you grill, talk to your neighbors as they walk by. I did it, and it was amazing. I got to know neighbors of mine. Because the plan is to start within and then move out. Start with Jerusalem, then Judea, then our Samaria, then all the world. The plan is to see that Christ calls us to be ambassadors, starting with where we are. Our neighbors, we recently, we noticed that our neighbors, we have a fence on our property that extends, and it's, it's part on their property, part on ours, we share it, and we noticed they were going to replace the fence. And now our solution wasn't making a cake that says, Jesus loves me, this I know, and he loves you too, and handing it to them. Our solution instead was saying, okay, can we pay for half the fence and can we partner with you on this? Because we're just called to start where we're at. If the power is the Holy Spirit, if the purpose is one another, each other, you and I, the plan starts here and then goes out. It starts with my family. It starts with my neighbors. It starts with my neighborhood. It starts with my friends. Then it goes to work and beyond. And so as we enter this fall, you know, there's all this uncertainty. There's all this concern and worry and fear. And we're getting to the point where we're just like, oh, man, I'm so dreading everything that's going to happen. I'm so dreading, oh, the, the fact that school is going to be so different and, and weird. And it's just, oh, it's going to be awful. Okay, it's going to be awful if we let it be awful. But if we look and say, I am Christ's ambassador. I have a secret sauce. I have the power of the Holy Spirit, not to fix everything, not to control everyone, but to literally say, I can take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I can breathe. I can be present in a limited way. If we look at the purpose, the purpose is not solving the problem ourselves. The purpose is having relationship with each other, being a little vulnerable, sharing our lives with each other. And the plan is starting from the inside out. That's what we are called as ambassadors of Christ. We are called to be people who understand we don't need the big gesture. We need the consistent lifestyle. We need the consistent heart change. And that's as we're in our sermon series, The Heart of God. God's heart is a heart of consistency. To be an ambassador, Michael Jordan was a great ambassador of the bowls of basketball, of the NBA, because he was consistent, because he played every game like it was his last, because he loved the game and he had the right mindset, the right heart for the game. That's what we are called as ambassadors of Christ. We are called day in, day out on the mundane to be consistent, to see that power, that secret sauce of the Holy Spirit, to see the purpose as you and I, and to see that the plan is we've got to start from within. We've got to start from the inside out. Let's pray together. You know, Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity just to worship, just to see that you are sovereign and I am not. That even this time of differences and fears and uncertainty, you are calling us and you are continuing to be a faithful God. We know that all of our moments can be failures in the past, but you are calling us today to see your mercy, your goodness, and the fact that you are leading us, guiding us, 
walking us forward from the inside out. So we ask that today we could see that each of us is called to be your ambassador of love, of truth, of peace, and of reconciliation. Not that we could fix everything, but we can humbly just be available and share our lives with one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.